You're listening to Kaleidoscope, a podcast sponsored by Stanford University's Abbasi Program in Islamic Studies. I'm your host, Ambreen Bhatti. We explore how people think about, talk about, and engage with Islam and Muslims today, which means we kind of have to do an episode on jihad. This is that episode. It's pretty much impossible to catch the news and not catch a story about jihad these days. Whether it's what ISIS is up to, or a terrorist attack in France, jihad is a topic in the news all the time. But what do we actually know about it? It often seems like we don't know all that much. At Stanford, Professor Alexander Key is tackling that through a class called Ethics of Jihad, an entire class focused on the topic. So what's it about, exactly? It's about giving sophomore students and undergraduate students at Stanford a chance to investigate Islamic discourse and the arguments that the Islamic discourse has within itself in detail. And it's centered around this one particular topic of jihad because, to be frank, one has to confront the attitude that people outside the discourse have of the discourse so the jihad is like is a is a hot button topic that's connected to questions of violence and islam itself is often from the outside a hot button topic connected to issues of violence so if you just get that on the table right from the very beginning and say we're going to go to the most controversial aspect of this phenomenon that frees you up to investigate beyond the controversial aspects so rather than coming from a position of saying let's do islam and let's do the islamic and arabic and other islamic languages intellectual conversations in a survey and then the things you're really interested in as undergraduates reading the news in America are just going to come in some side section of the course. Let's just start off with those controversial, difficult aspects and then we can broaden out and problematize them. What's the ethics part of it? Why not just a class about jihad? The ethics question, for me, is something that, again, that we've talked about, is something that we've talked about in class. So for me, ethics is the question of what one should do. It's one of those words that you really can pin down to a nice, simple, pragmatic definition. Ethics is when we talk about the stuff we should do, not the stuff we have done, not the stuff we're going to do. What should we do? So that's the, the verb that matters, should. And it seems to me that what the discourse in Islamic theory, you know, starting with the 700s up to the present day, what the use of the word jihad does in that discourse is give participants in that discourse a chance to talk about what they should do. It either gives them a chance to talk about 
whether or not they should engage in um, military conflict. So for a, a state would would be able at certain points and at certain times to talk about its foreign relations in terms of jihad. Like is you know in the same way as Christian states in, across history have talked about their foreign relations in terms of just war theory. Are we attacking? Are we defending? What are the rules of war? You can that there's a series of resources in Islamic theory under the rubric jihad that gives you potential answers that you can move around on those questions. And but that's just one kind of ethics. And the other kind of ethics that's deliberately a substantial part of the course is what should one do in order to make the world a better place, in order to make oneself a better place. And it's exactly the same thing. You find in the Islamic discourse for individuals a whole set of resources under the rubric of jihad that talk about improvement on a societal level, change on a personal level, the sacrifices and the struggle and the work that's re that's required from people in communities to make things better. And that all comes under the rubric of jihad. And that's clearly an ethical question as well. What should we do? So we bring in, so I brought in the, the, the well-known Islamic uh, scholar Amina Wadud, who wrote a famous book called Inside the gender jihad in which she makes the clear argument that she is a feminist and a muslim sees her job as improving the situation of muslim women which is a bit of a reductionist definition of feminism but and how does she characterize that struggle she characterizes it as a jihad because there's a set of ethical resources available to her in the discourse under the rubric of jihad that she can use to talk about feminism here's alina utrada a student from the class we were expecting you know when we first started looking at jihad you know that we we're going to talk about you know iraq and afghanistan and al-qaeda and we started looking at it feminism um which was but i, I liked it um and amina wadud came in and she you know she talked a, a lot about um her personal journey and how she had interpreted it and the sort of backlash she had faced from her own community um and i i guess the thing for me that really really changed my perspective right is she talked about um being involved in the negotiations of CEDAW, which is the convention on um to eliminate discrimination against women and um a lot of um islamic countries have um signed with reservations saying that like oh no we can't implement parts of that that's against islam and so you know me from hearing this from my perspective i've done model un i was sort of i'm sort of looking into like doing something with government or politics um or international relations so when i heard that i went ugh ugh like another you know example of religion getting in the way of something i agree with which is you know human rights and gender equality um, and Amina Wadud had a very different take, and she, you know, she, her response to it was to go in and, and say, "What Islam? Point to me, you know, what are you, what are you citing? What are you quoting? How are you interpreting this?" And using religion to basically argue her point and further, you know, things, other things that she believes in, such as human rights. Um, and that really changed my perspective on like how I was going to view 
you know, going about these different things and that, you know, all of a sudden it sort of wasn't like, it wasn't like religion was a barrier. It was like religion was a tool and you can use the tool um, to, to push a policy one way or another, but it doesn't have to be, you know, a sort of negative thing. It can also be, and I think is supposed to be a very positive thing. to teach students about how the world is and to give them critical tools to understand you know america as it stands today i think that by choosing to teach a course on islam with a deliberately with a title that's deliberately controversial there's no question that what i want to do is say to the students look you may have seen in the media that the relationship of islam and violence is x well i'm going to show you that it's x y z a b c and one of the things that's come up in the class discussions this year already is students have said oh well you know this reminds me my high school textbook had the word jihad in it and it just said jihad was holy war and multiple people seem to have remembered that there must be one high school textbook they all read and now i oh and i you know jihad is clearly more than holy war I wondered if anything about how the class has unfolded was surprising to Professor Keith. I think one surprising thing is that things that one thinks might be surprising to the students turn out not to be surprising. So one might think that for students uh, who have been, who've grown up with the media of the last decade, the Islamic feminism that Amina Wadud puts forward might be surprising to them, and they might they might react to it, and they say, "Oh no, this isn't this isn't the Islam we we were told we've been told about," and that hasn't really been the case. Like people have not been surprised or thought that it was fraud. You know, people have not been surprised by that. The people, the students have been, you know have got on board with the different iterations that they've been offered. I think the other thing that surprised me is the way in which we really... is that people have been able to identify the some of the big important dynamics like the, the difference between the difference between ideas of political reasoning and ideas of religious reasoning or the or the way in which students at Stanford already have a set of tools for talking about their identity 
and how their identity interacts with their scholarship and how their identity interacts with their peers who have different identities. I mean, I get the very strong sense from this this class of, of 16 sophomores that, yeah, they haven't done the work of working through Islam. You know, they haven't thought about it. They haven't, you know, they don't have a toolbox for dealing with it. But the work of talk, the work of thinking about who they are as people in relationship to their own backgrounds, in relationship to their peers at Stanford, how they can use their academic work to to interface with their own histories and identities. I just I get the sense that this is I mean they've already thought about it before the class. They they've come up with solutions and strategies and they're using this class to put those strategies into effect, which is cheering. This is Professor Key's second year teaching this class. So I asked him what he thought, or maybe just what he hoped, last year's students retained. I mean, I think what I wanted to leave with that group was was two things. One is the basic sense that there is a lot more in terms of resources. There's just a lot more there in Islam than you might think from the outside. There's a lot more complexity. There's a lot more pluralism. There's a lot more internal argumentation. This provides a lot more resources for whatever what you want to do in whatever particular context. It's just a bigger, more complicated picture than it looks from the outside. And the other thing that I think they they will remember, because because... That, that course, like this course, asks the students to spend 10 weeks thinking about a single question and over that 10 weeks iteratively develop a response to that question that speaks to their own interests and the, the research that they've done during the course. So it's like a one, you do one paper, there's one product and you have different stages of that product, but it's one product. So this gives them the chance to really think about it. So the people last year who focused on specific aspects, somebody spoke focused on media representation, somebody focused on child soldiers in Afghanistan, they found stuff out for themselves that fitted into this broad Islam is a big complex set of options argument. And they had their own little sphere of interest that they spent so long thinking about it that I that I will be reasonably confident, you know, they they remember some bits. What will this year's students take away? Here's a thought from Alina. I think especially in, in media or the way that we conceptualize religion, Islam is sort of presented as a unified whole. Like this is Islam. These are some Muslim people, like, that's it. That's the whole story. And then it was interesting to see how throughout the classes we talked about not just different sects, but different interpretations and how individuals have viewed it and how even just you read, you know, because we read parts of the Quran and we read, you know, different interpretations on them, how, like, you as an individual can change, you know, what is what is Islam.
If you're interested in watching the public lecture by Amina Wadud or the other class guests, including Sherman Jackson, a professor of religion and of American studies and ethnicity at the University of Southern California, visit Kaleidoscope's page on the Abbasi Program's website. Thanks so much for listening. Tweet us at Kaleido underscore show or find us on Facebook to let us know what you thought. We'd love to hear from you.